Let my prayer be set forth in thy sight as the incense, and let the lifting up of my hand be an evening sacrifice. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Bear thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life for the glory of thy holy name. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, hath given power and commandment to his ministers to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins, he pardoneth and absolveth all those who truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Wherefore, let us beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that those things may please him which we do at this present, and that the rest of our life hereafter may be pure and holy, so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 29, page 373. Ascribe unto the Lord, O ye mighty, Ascribe unto the Lord worship and strength. Ascribe unto the Lord the honor due unto his name. Worship the Lord with holy worship. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. It is the glorious God that maketh the thunder. It is the Lord that ruleth the sea. The voice of the Lord is mighty in operation. The voice of the Lord is a glorious voice. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedar trees. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon also, and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. Yea, the Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to bring forth young, and strippeth bare the forests. In his temple doth everything speak of his honor. The Lord sitteth above the water flood, and the Lord remaineth a king forever. 
The Lord shall give strength unto his people. The Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. Psalm 36, beginning at verse 5, on page 384. Thy mercy, O Lord, reacheth unto the heavens, and thy faithfulness unto the clouds. Thy righteousness standeth like the young mountains. Thy judgments are like the great deep. Thou, Lord, shalt save both man and beast. How excellent is thy mercy, O God! And the children of men shall put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be satisfied with the plenteousness of thy house, and thou shalt give them drink of thy pleasures as out of the river. For with thee is the well of life, and in thy light shall we see light. O continue forth thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness unto them that are true of heart. O let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the ungodly cast me down. There are they fallen all that work wickedness, they are cast down, and shall not be able to stand. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 15th verse of the 4th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Take careful heed to yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people and inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan, and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan. But you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Here ended the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath opened his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the 29th verse of the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near, at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people be a light to light in the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. 
Lord, we beseech thee to keep thy household, the church, in continual godliness, that through thy protection it may be free from all adversities, and devoutly given to serve thee in good works, to the glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Light in our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our first lesson this evening from Deuteronomy chapter 4, so again, remembering the context here, this is Moses' first address in a series of three addresses, or sermons we could say, given then to the people of Israel as they are about to enter the Promised Land. And um, it's actually where the name Deuteronomy comes from, because what Moses is doing is he's essentially expositing the law for them. In Deuteronomy, so Deuteros means second, and Namos means law. So it's a second law. Not a second law in the sense of a new law, but rather than a new exposition of the law given to the next generation of the Israelites because they have been wandering this period of time. So there's a whole new generation that has come up that was not present originally when people received the law at Mount Sinai. We see that um, a constant temptation for Israel throughout her history will be then um, the sin of idolatry. So it's very, very important for them uh, from, from Moses' Moses's perspective as they're about to go into a foreign land. There will be foreign peoples there who worship a whole variety and a whole host of God, of gods. And Moses makes it very clear that you can't do that. Um, it's something, like I said, it presents a constant threat to Israel. And it sounds almost so simple um, that we kind of just brush over it. But when you think about it from God's perspective, God chose his people by his grace. He revealed himself to them. He delivered them from Egypt. And the idea then of them going and actually bowing down then to worship another god it's, there are a few things presented in the Bible that God hates more than that, and understandably so. One of the things that distinguished the uh, religion of Israel from other pagan religions in the area was that they were not to make any images of God. They were, that is, they're not to make any idols, anything that then is the form of a God, with the idea that often what would end up happening is that the form or the idol itself would be mistaken for God. My understanding, too, was that there is a sense is that within the construction of an idol, with the construction of some kind of form, there is a sense in which then kind of through our worship, through our liturgies, we can then manipulate God for our purposes. But God makes it very clear that he can't be contained in a form. Neither can he be manipulated then by what the people, um, by what the people do. 
So that's, again, this, this very clear and present exhortation to the Israelites that they would not do this. Um, the, the distinction there, and this came right before our lesson this evening, is that God does not reveal himself through carven or uh, graven images, but rather God has revealed himself through his word. So the living God is not then or cannot be contained in something that's made by human hands, but he reveals himself through the power and communication of his own word. Um, idolatry is not something that we tend to think of uh, in, I think, in as explicit terms, or we perhaps we think that we uh, wouldn't so easily fall into that sin. It's interesting to see what the New Testament does with idolatry. One of the main things that the New Testament will actually then refer to and liken to idolatry is an idolatry of greed. And particularly with that is the greed and the kind of lust for mammon. So that the relationship that we begin to form with our mammon, that is our wealth and our possessions, can really end up serving this, a similar purpose. And it can become idolatrous for us in the new covenant. Because idolatry at its heart is what you give yourself to. It's what you give your devotion to. And it's what you give your obedience to. And it's what you serve ultimately. So I think a challenge for us, we might not think that we would fall into the same kind of idolatry that Israel did. But I think for many of us, the reality is, is that our mammon does end up playing a similar role in our lives, a similar kind of idolatrous role. And I was thinking about this, and it seems to... At least this is, a, I personally have been convicted of this, the way in which I put my confidence in my mammon, that is my sense of being okay, my sense of security, my sense of everything is okay so long then as my financial state is in place. And that kind of confidence then, it, um, or what you have that kind of confidence in is what you actually end up serving. And so it's in that sense then that our mammon can easily uh, turn into something that's idolatrous for us and something that we need to be mindful of in the new covenant. And then in our second lesson, so Matthew 24, we're in what's referred to as Jesus' Olivet Discourse. And he's speaking here, um, obviously there's, there's different interpretations of the Olivet Discourse, specifically with regard to time and what Jesus has in mind, specifically what he's specifically referencing. Um, my reading of this is that Jesus has in mind then, in particular, the destruction of Jerusalem, which would come in the year 70 AD. So he's using this kind of apocalyptic and cosmic type language then to accentuate then the nature of the downfall of Israel, the nature of the downfall of Jerusalem. And if you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament, you see that this language is actually pretty common. It's a genre of language, a genre of biblical literature, um, ap apocalyptic, cosmic type language that's usually in the Old Testament uh, used to describe the downfall of nations. So the downfall of pagan nations. And it's also used in this way to describe um, the impending doom that was going to come on Israel with the Assyrians and the Babylonians as well. So it kind of makes sense then out of the language that Jesus is using here because Israel has gotten to the point where even then having fallen 
um, into destruction and then fallen into exile and then they were brought back from exile they've gotten to that same point again where they have rejected their god and god is essentially treating them as a pagan nation because they rejected jesus they missed the hour of their visitation then so this doom is ultimately coming upon them there certainly is though a sense in which whenever we speak of impending judgment and we ever see Jesus speaking of impending judgment, that there is an eye to the future though. I don't think anybody denies that. And this is where uh, Jesus talks here about the, this, um, the coming of this judgment will be as it was in the days of Noah. And the, the whole idea with this, I think, when we think then about the second coming of our Lord and the judgment then that he will bring when he does arrive, it's not so that we specifically would be able to know exactly the time or the day when it's going to happen. You have this interesting kind of Trinitarian idea that the sun doesn't even know this. Again, there are some interesting Trinitarian implications there. But the whole idea with judgment and the reality that our Lord is coming then to judge the world in righteousness is that we would be watchful and vigilant, knowing then we don't know specifically what it's going to look like, but it will be like the days of Noah in the sense that, that there will be a quick and a swift separation of the righteous from the wicked. So therefore, knowing then that this is the reality, we need to be prepared. And what preparation seems to look like in the New Testament is this idea of vigilance, particularly vigilance in prayer, that we would be vigilant, that we would be faithful then, I think this is a challenge for us is whenever we look out into the world around us to actually know that this is what's most really real. It seems like the world is going in different directions and it seems like it's being ruled by different things. And But to know that no matter what the circumstances are, that which is most really real is that God is providentially ordering history then and he will then return to judge the world in righteousness. And we can know that if we remain watchful, if we remain vigilant, if we remain faithful to what it is that God has called us to do, that we will be able to, with confidence, face that day of judgment when it arrives. We'll continue now with our intercession on page 590. And take a second and call to mind those you're praying for. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations. And may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. And down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble, and do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Thanks, Father Kevin. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you. That was a wonderful meditation. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you.